Thank you. Right. Are you suggesting that someone's trying to make a real-life sequel? Stab 2? Who'd want to do that? Sequels suck. No. Two in the box! Ready to go! We be fast and they be slow! Wow! A second Super Saiyan? Second in order, perhaps, but by no means in stature. Your fight is with me now. I'll have my revenge and Deathstalker, too. Man, I can't fucking believe this. Another basement, another elevator. How can the same shit happen to the same guy twice? Oh, please, please. By definition alone, there are fewer films. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Inside the Sequel. This is the podcast where we talk about sequel movies, don't, don't get enough love or attention, and uh, they really deserve it. And uh, here we just, you know, we like to stand and slander. And I can't think of a sequel I want to stand more than 1986's Sleepaway Camp 2. Get ready for gore galore. There used to be this camp about 60 miles from here. Camp Arawak. All these kids started getting killed. Well, it ended up that the killer was the shy 14-year-old girl that everybody picked on. Except she wasn't... Baby, you're supposed to be in the cabin. Let's go. Wait, what, what happened to the killer? Whatever happened to the good kids in the world? Oh, <laughs> don't talk like that, Uncle John. There's lots of good kids. We just have to weed out the bad. Remember, ladies, nice girls don't have to show it off. <laughs> Where's Phoebe? I had to send her home. I found her doing things with the boys last night that she had no business doing. <laughs> I know the rest of you are nice young ladies and you won't get into any trouble. <laughs> Let this be a lesson to you. Say no to drugs. Camp Rolling Hills is the best. Oh, I love the I love the trees and forests. I don't like being the wicked witch of the West. Hey, but I know what happens when things get out of control. You're gonna tell. Campers. Sleepaway Camp 2. I'm your host, Chris, as always, and uh, I'm sure for those who are listening, you see the disparagement between release dates. It's been about a month or so for those returning and who, for some reason, like this podcast a lot. Um, you know, thank you for the support. Uh, it's, you know, duly noted, but we're back again after a month's break. I was just like, I felt like Thanos, where I put out so many episodes. I just wanted to sit back and watch the sunset on a fate, you know, a grateful universe. And um, what I mean by that is just me and uh, maybe my parents, if they're still, you know, supporting this podcast. Um, but today we're back. It's spooky month. It's October, the holiest month of the year for me. I'm sorry, Christians don't get offended. Uh, but October is totally that one for me. Uh, and I, I'm so excited today and I'm trying to, you know, show, some sort of confidence because my guests, I'm just absolutely gushing. Um, I'm so excited to have them on. That's uh, the uh, directors of the 2019 documentary Scream Queen, 
My Nightmare on Elm Street that starred Mark Patton, who was also the star of Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. I have Tyler Jensen and Roman. Uh, thank you two for being on here. Uh, I, I'm so red in the face. And uh, yeah, why don't you say hi? Thank you for being on Inside the Sequel. I'm Roman. I'm one of the directors of Scream Queen. Um, I think you have a great voice, by the way, so I'm excited for the conversation. And um, down below me is Tyler Jensen, right? See, you can't say that on a podcast because they're not necessarily going to know or we're going to be in the right position. What a power move to say below <laughs> me, Roman. Wow. I See, I assumed he meant in the Zoom window, but you know... <laughs> I, She's always playing mind games. (laughs) Well, the hierarchy of needs here says that I need to move on with this. So I think that. (laughs) Yes, I I think it's fabulous. No, but but I do think it's fabulous that we're still having people talk about Scream Queen um, like it was yesterday. It's been two years that it's been out. and I think that it's it's still getting, like we still get messages all the time about it. And I think that's awesome. So thank you for bringing attention to the movie still. Yes, hello, I'm Tyler. I'm the other director of Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm happy to be here talking about some of my favorite things in the world, sequels. <laughs> yeah, this is a horror, See, not even a horror. This is just a sequel movie podcast. And uh, Tyler, uh, I slid into your DMs. Usually how I do things. <laughs> I, I roll in, just kind of slide in. And and I have to tell you, most people who do that do not get what they come for. However, <laughs> if you speak to me like a nerd, we're going to have something to talk about and I'm more willing to engage. Yeah, I, I slid in and thought, you know what? I'm kind of sauced. I love these. <laughs> I love this guy. These two people's wonderful documentary, and I absolutely love Nightmare on Elm Street too. It's October. Let's just go for it. And uh, yeah, I I thank you so much, Tyler, for accepting my invite and for you to even, you know, no offense, Roman, but Tyler was the one who's like, you want to get Roman on here, and I wasn't even thinking that far ahead. I was just like, let me just see if I can get a response from this guy. And uh, he threw you out. Uh, Tyler you knows better than to not offer. <laughs> it, it would <laughs> it'll be it'll be a shit storm i'm just kidding no, no like we we do that if do i don't offer i get the hose again yeah <laughs> it's true you exclusively talk about sequels yes on this podcast yes all yes the time. okay good that was that was kind of my understanding going into this so i i took a few notes i have quite a few things to say so. you see and this is why that I always want... sounds like a threat no 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 i want people who know their shit and they're passionate about that shit and they throw it to me because they i'm just a i'm just a kid who who grew up watching part twos and threes more often than the originals and you know eventually i grew up more and realized that people did the same thing and uh i think that's really mm. cool because we can talk about nightmare on elm street we can talk about friday the 13th we can talk about these iconic originals and we'll all eventually say the same things you know but when somebody comes around and says you know what fuck it hellraiser 3 that movie's <laughs> awesome i don't give a fuck what anybody thinks and then if somebody just shows up and says you know what 
Halloween two and Halloween five might be top tier Halloween. <laughs> Sorry, John Carpenter. To me, that's fascinating. <laughs> and I want to pick those people's brains. You know? I do love Halloween five. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. I think Halloween five is the threshold for me where it's like, okay, you know, I start to see the, the it slow down. Then again, Halloween four, that opening is one of the best openings in horror film. I, you know, it's just iconic that opening to Halloween four, it just gives you fall feels. It's, it's oh, just, like you mean like the opening credits? Yes, where you just okay. see the farmhouse and it's just nice weather, the orange lettering with the font, it's beautiful. And then you kind of, yeah, H2 on that stuff. I don't, but, you know, then you get Rob Zombie's <laughs> Halloween's and then it's like, <clears throat> finally, we're getting to some good stuff. Um, but <laughs> Oh, I disagree, but we'll have, a, we'll have fun. <laughs> slander, there's slander on the podcast. And it's not even for me first. <laughs> That's awesome. <clears throat> Uh, but this is, this is gonna be great. I'm so excited to talk about sleepaway camp too. Tyler. You're the one, I don't know, Tyler, were you speaking for you and Roman when course, you suggested always. the sequels? Cause well, the, the wonderful thing about Roman and I's partnership and as co-directors and as friends is that we usually can agree on what is really good and <laughs> the sequels that we love. Um, there are some, areas that like he's not so into the 90s and early 2000s movies i'm not so into like late 70s early early 80s stuff but we have a really unique sweet spot where we both love the same things for similar reasons and then we have separate offshoots where we're very passionate about certain things and get to fight about them in a very loving and respectful way because we're sisters and that's what mom told us to do. You know, we, it's like most people, we have overlap with things we like, but we're also, you know, we come slightly different ages. So there's always going to be that, you know, the foundation of what got us there is going to be a little bit different. Um, I mean, there's a universal shared experience with a lot of people as they get into horror and the infatuation of, of it in the beginning and also you know when you're 20 the kinds of horror movies that you like are going to be different than when you're 40 because your life experience is different you know so things evolve but Tyler and I both have um I'd say it's more more similarities than not I definitely have less of a fondness for some of the 90s I guess I'll call them slashers. I don't know what you would call them, but a lot of the thrillers from that era are, you know, don't have the same appeal to me like they do to some of the younger kids. But the, I mean, we're talking about sleepaway camp and things like that. Like those are kind of like, you know, staples in the genre. Um, I think we can all agree that a lot of these movies are bad in many ways (laughs) (laughs) like having gone through film school i recognize these movies are terrible but (laughs) i like to say it's not a good movie it's a great movie a great movie is something that plays the audience and gives you everything you want and if it shocks you if it repulses you if it gives you any sort of reaction that you remember when you leave the theater it is valid and worthy, <laughs> even if it's not going to win Academy Awards. I had fun and it inspired me to do X, Y, and Z. 
there's there's a lot of truth to what Roman said. You know, the things you like when you're 20 is going to change as you get older. And I think perspectives also change too. And I think that's an interesting take because, you know, you two directed a documentary where the perspective of that movie has drastically changed since the release in 1985. First of all, that movie came out a year after Nightmare on Elm Street in 1984, which is hard to believe. I still find it insane to this day that there were movies that were being churned like butter after an iconic release at the release. 1984 with Nightmare on Elm Street, 1985 with Nightmare 2. You think about things like Godzilla, 54, 1955, they get another one. Um, and then it's it just, and then with this 1986, you get Sleepaway Camp 2, so a year after Nightmare 2. Um, but yeah, back to the perspectives, it's so crazy what gets popular or like what starts to you know gain steam as time goes by. And I think why I, I was so gravitated to your guy, uh, your two's um, works was that it, for a long time growing up, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 was like a movie I didn't think most people watch. And I didn't think about it as like a pretentious, haha, I've seen Nightmare 2 and you haven't or anything. It was just like, I like this movie a lot. I watch it more than even the original. Um, and, and that's just my personal thing. Like I just always did. And um, I got older and through high school and in college. I started to realize some more people had started watching it and, you know, the subtext and like, you know, the charm of that movie started grown, grow almost like Rocky Horror Picture, like cult following. And that's when I started learning what cult followings and films were, and especially in the horror genre. And then you two come around and make a documentary about that. And it, it was just phenomenal instant buy on DVD. Um, it just, it, it was just a very, and, and you capture that, that, that whole cult following and perspectives changing. And I think that's what, why I love that documentary so much. And it's not just me, it's just like a lot of people did is you highlight that you follow the groups that love this movie. You give Mark Patton a voice. And I think that's what he's really trying to push is just like perspectives have changed since then. And we need to kind of like, you know, we need to amend these things that we're afraid to do. And I just really like how that, that hmm. direction, whether it was intentional or not. I, 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 it was I think that definitely was the intention. It was, we were seeing this, this, cult following embrace nightmare two as this sudden like gay camp classic and that's all good and wonderful that people can appreciate it and bring it to the forefront and reevaluate it but without actually understanding what that meant to mark in the moment and how like if he's not going to tell that story if he's not going to be the one to come out and say yeah, you can like this, but you have to know what it cost me. You have mm -hmm. to appreciate mm -hmm. what I, it, I had to sacrifice in order for you to like think this is a fun bullshit movie. It wasn't that to me. And in fact, it was a lot. And in fact, it was a great movie and something terrible happened afterwards. And exactly. to allow him to tell that story and let people discover the movie for the first time, find the backstory about him and discover everything that he had done to get to that point of starring in his very first feature film and then disappearing for 30 years. It's a wild story. I was so proud to be a part of it and help help him tell it. And Roman can fill in the gaps from there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do, I, I have to say this, going into what we're gonna talk about today, <laughs> um, the other thing that that I liked, and it's gonna sound there's it's gonna sound like a criticism at first, but it's it's actually not. But you have to, trigger I warning. Think, 
yeah, there's a lot of people, most people that are listening to podcasts like this and talking about the horror movies that, you know, from that time are be, I mean, 20s to 50s. It's the 80s was a very specific time and you have to understand what was going on. Um, the business model of that era was like, corporate America decided to take over music and movies. Mm -hmm. And it was, it's a very, it completely crushed the soul of those two art forms. But at the same time, we were experiencing the joy of it as it was coming out MTV and like Hollywood was just throwing all these movies at us. And we were of the age where it was exactly what we wanted. They were marketing and manipulating us with all these things that, we now have decades to look back fondly on. But now that we've had enough distance from that decade, we're able to look at Halloween five and go, what the fuck? You know, like <laughs> it was, it was, I, I was a, a teen, a preteen during those years. So I was seeing a lot of those movies when they were coming out. And I remember going as each one was coming out going, yawn you know like <laughs> what's the next thing now like now i have i like to uh put them all on especially in october i'll watch all of the halloweens but like it took a long time before i even gave a shit about watching halloween five you know like it was let's be real if you if you don't have a nostalgia grip on some of these things then you're going to be watching them with like your eyes crossed so <laughs> it's true it's true it took me until last year to watch halloween five <laughs> and i loved it I, yeah i mean you you can find you can rekindle certain love affairs with some of these things and, and but you need a little time to pass but that decade really did come in and crush the integrity of a lot of things that we hold dear like even the elm street movies which you know were kind of given a higher platform god like by the end of them it's like unwatchable some Freddy's of them you dead. can love it yeah Freddy's dead is rough <laughs> i would argue that dream child is worse but um hey, I like we that. don't have to sacrifice any of our children here tonight <laughs> that's right? right like but that's the thing you can love it even though it sucks like that's like what tyler said it's not a good movie it's a great movie mm -hmm. you you just have to pick your angle here you know i think it's right. interesting that nostalgia we talk about nostalgia and it's the people who are loving these things the younger people they weren't even alive when these things were coming out but they they say they feel this nostalgia for it and to me that doesn't make sense because they weren't there to witness it they can't remember fondly remember fondly of these things it's almost yeah, like yes and no but everything that is being marketed to them now is a nostalgic product. Yeah, it's like, an Stranger Things is yes. a huge popular across the board hit with everyone. Mm -hmm. And people are like, oh, I love this. And they know that it's stealing elements from everything from the 80s. And so now they're like, I'm going to go hunting. I'm going to go find these things for myself. I did the same thing when Scream came out in the 90s. And I was like, I have to go to the video store and watch everything they mm -hmm. ever mentioned. Because uh... I need I need the, the footnotes. I want to get the joke but the completely. New, the new kids aren't, it's not nostalgia though. It's just that every 30 years, we kind of 
grab it it's a callback to 30 years prior because for some reason we find this cycle of relevance happening mm. so right now a lot of the kids are uh really identifying with things like stranger things because the nostalgia what we see as nostalgia they see as totally current relevance which is like that apocalyptic not apocalyptic but um just futureless doom that comes with movies like that is the same as like Firestarter oh. or Halloween or even Risky Business from the 80s. A lot of that, a lot of those movies were playing off this sort of bleak future that the 80s presented with all of its cocaine and money and corporate America and all this stuff just basically said, you work for us or you work for nobody, you know? And a lot of the kids now are facing the exact same feeling. And that's why I think that a lot of those movies are connecting with them. And I, yeah, um, I totally Roman. I think you're just like, you're, t you're bringing like a real, like a real perspective <laughs> to that, that I, I usually don't hear when we talk about films like this. And I, and I, I, I absolutely love it as someone with a useless education degree that he's not even using anymore. Um, you know, and thinking about history in the eighties, it's like, you know what? Yeah. I never thought to apply low budget horror to that kind of perspective and that's you're totally right on that and you know i just finally took you to say that and for me to kind of put that together because i mean it does make sense um, yeah if you analyze the setting and the time and place it helps you uh unpack what you're watching it helps you maybe have a new appreciation for some things so mm -hmm. like this movie that we're going to talk about i've seen mm -hmm. it a few times this time i actually have a slightly different opinion of it uh it's but we'll get into that <laughs> yeah yeah we'll, we'll we'll get into that um I, I i love both of your perspectives on this and you know as somebody as a as a kid just going to family video you know just renting whatever was a horror movie and if it had anything of relevance to a movie i did like if it was a sequel i rented it basically i would always rent return of the jedi and godzilla 98 and then once i got older <laughs> I started branching out and then it was aliens, alien three and resurrection. And then for horror movies, it was nightmare two and three. And uh, yeah, and just the sequel started, you know, popping out all the time as a kid. Um, do you really like those 80s slashers, huh? Yeah, I kind of do. I think it's because they're goofy, they're fun and the gore is imaginative. And as someone, even at a young age, I had an appreciation for filmmaking and like special effects. And nothing comes close to me, close to any other decade than the 80s for that. Because, I mean, like you said earlier, it was so corporate. You had to make these movies and churn them like butter. Money is tight. The movie we're going to be talking about and its sequel after that is a staple of like that sort of example. Um, yep. I'm fascinated how human beings could put this on film and, and, and make money off of it, it with that shoe, the whole quote unquote shoestring budget. Um, and, and still put a movie out because the, the, the resources were limited. And it's just like an appreciation that the effort and time of so many collected individuals were put into this film. And I think as the older I get, that's why I like watching these movies. It's like, you know, respect for your fellow aspiring <clears throat> filmmakers. I, I watch them now and I'm like, <laughs> I, I am shocked. I'm like, why aren't I doing this today? Yeah. I have so much more capability as one person with a video camera in my pocket and a microphone and a clamp light I plug into the wall, I could make the similar 
stuff that they are doing for much cheaper and faster. <laughs> Why haven't I done it yet? Yeah. And I think we're kind of living in a renaissance of like the eighties of sorts. Those were people who could just like get a camera and a crew and have a good time and put something out. Now anybody can make a movie in any sort of format. You and see- And they should, and they, they should. Everyone who's listening right now, use your fucking cell phone and go make a movie tonight. Hey, no. If what? Steven yes. Soderbergh could make, <laughs> what was Steven Soderbergh's movie? Unreal or un, un, unseen, unseen, un, insane, insane, insane. Where it was and shot then, on iPhone, quote unquote. Right. Then there's Tangerine, which is a fantastic movie with Clue Gulliger of all yeah. people. Mm -hmm. Love her. It it's crazy <laughs> how even like it's so com the film. Filmmaking is so competitive now, actors are becoming directors now. Like the gap you, is widening. You know insane. why that is, because actors want to act and you only get to act if you write something for yourself to be it. I mean- So it's like, we have conditioned everyone to be a creator at all times. If yeah. they want to do one thing, you have to do all of them, which is what me and Roman had to do on this movie. And you know, you, you know Tyler, you talked about it before we got on this, um, about like, you just love Nightmare 2 and, and you just wanted to talk about it. And Roman, I'm sure you feel the same way. I'm just happy there's two individuals out there who love Nightmare 2 and that I feel like loved it like I did too. And I'm not gatekeeping, I'm not standing in any way, but I just, I'm just amazed that there's a following growing up that I had no idea about. And they decided to make a movie about that and about that actor, because growing up, I did wonder whatever happened to Mark Patton, because I really liked him on there. The only, what happened to Mark Patton? And uh, you two kind of, you know, gave that an answer for me. And, I, and you did it so well. And I, I thank you two for it. And for you two to be on this podcast, it, it really does mean a lot. And uh, oh, I was lucky you. enough to meet Mark Patton once at the Patio Theater in Chicago. Mark, in 2017, if you're listening. And uh, <laughs> I almost cried when I got to take a picture with you and talk with you. Anyway, but... I'm so happy you two did this and it, you did a great job. Uh, a lot of Amazing. Wouldn't have happened if he hadn't have wanted to tell the story. Seriously. He was looking for someone to help him make it. And we were lucky enough to be those people. Yeah. And you know, what's crazy. We talk about the corporate side of like eighties nostalgia and stuff. Roman, like you said, Jack Shoulder, who directed Nightmare 2, he his film Alone in the Dark has a new Scream Factor release that came out this week on recording too. And it's like almost an aligning of stars of sorts of like corporate horror, you know, getting its relevance now with boutique labels and special editions of old VHS DVD releases. And he kind of comes full circle. And you two put it out on DVD and in streaming. And I kind of have to respect that, you know? You know, put it on 4K and charge $40 for it. Like, you know, these big corporations. So thank you for that. Not yet. You can wait. You can wait. Yeah. <laughs> we sell out. You don't know. It's <laughs> right. We got to pay off those credit card bills. Yeah. If there's anything I'm proud to be, it's it, it's always about, you know, it's always all about, um, you know, putting out. I'm, I'm all about yeah. that. So, you know, you got my stamp of approval here. Flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> so I got to ask you two. We're going to talk about Sleepaway Camp 2, and I'm excited, but I have to know, what is Roman and Tyler's, like, sequels that they stand? Like, in, 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 in like, like just in the back of their minds, they're like, you know, if somebody were to ask me, you know, what, what sequels I love to death, what are those? Like, I, I got to know, and I got to know some stories behind a few. I, I got to leave with something juicy. I mean, 
Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2 isn't really a sequel, so I'm not going to say that one. Whoa, whoa, hold uh, on there, it, Roman. We talked about that on this podcast actually fairly recently, so I would suggest it would be no, a sequel. It's, a, it's, a, it's one of our favorite movies. Tyler and I talked about it nonstop, but it's not technically a sequel that way. It was just in name. So, the, but in your, probably in your context... I, I kind of have always been a big sequel fan. Like, you know, Nightmare 2 was the first movie that got me infatuated with horror. Mm-hmm. It was the first one I braved myself to see. But so Nightmare Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is like, obviously one of my very favorites, followed by Poltergeist 2. I love Halloween 3 is one of my favorites ever. Um <laughs> It's almost time, kids. The clock is ticking. Be in front of your TV sets for the horathon, and remember the big giveaway at nine. Um, I kind of like the underdogs if they're made well, if they take a chance, like Friday the Thirteenth Part Five, the one that supposedly isn't really Jason. Oh, um, the new New Beginning. New Blood. New Blood. No, not New Blood. Not New Blood. I, I kind of don't really like that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, the one the one that has like uh, Violet, my favorite new wave girl, oh, gets the stabbed in her bedroom. Seven. The one with the, no. the telekinesis. I don't know. No, I don't know. Five. I don't know. A new beginning. Okay. A, new beginning. A new beginning. Yeah, Which I know one? what I'm no, talking seven about. Seven is new blood. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I love. I love. I can pick out ones from. All of these, like, fr- I think Friday the 13th Part 2 is one of the best of it is, it is, of all. The it minor, is. It is. yes, sir. Uh, the fact that you can have a uh, series long enough to have multiple new <laughs> subtitles, yeah, but yeah, there's there's other ones like The Exorcist 2 and 3. Like, people hate The Exorcist 2, I think it's fabulous. Oh, Roman, I, I, Roman, Roman. <laughs> I've been wanting to, I, I've been, I've seen Exorcist 1 and 3, and I never got to watch Exorcist 2 because I heard it's down bad. And I, and it got a boutique label release, and I'm so tempted to buy it. Please tell me about oh, this movie. Do it. You'll Please love it. tell me about it. Sell anybody me on that, this. anybody that says, um, first of all, it isn't bad. It's just bonkers, you know? I love it's bonkers. bonkers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, if if for movie buffs that are like I only like the Criterion version, then you'll hate that movie. But it is <laughs> that's not what that's for. It's to satisfy that late seventies supernatural. Throw every fucking thing into this movie that you can, because we're just trying to make people leave the the theater saying, "Oh my god, I can't believe I saw that." You know, I'm after sold. they've already seen crazy shit. So yeah, it's crazy movie but roman you but, said two of my favorite things you talk about a bonkers movie and you diss the criterion collection i'm i'm <laughs> all about this movie and you're a plus in my book all right tyler what are your favorites obviously hello mary lou prom night two is yeah. the first thing i always say but i i'm trying to remember what else i offered up for this this recording i was like you offered a lot of good shit (laughs) i was like oh let me get weird my favorites um obviously i love nightmare on elm street three and four i love 
uh, Final Destination three and five. I think five is so much better than it ever needed to be. Whoa! And the last the last time I got stoned, which was like ten years ago, I watched that on Halloween night Aww. and had a panic attack. And I was like, I can't <laughs> leave the house. I'm gonna die. This is too much. I'm never smoking weed again. End of end of my life. Wait. So should we? Should so I should be getting stoned now while at no, my baby's twenty. You are. Driving this ship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. For those who are listening, I'm lighting up a joint right now. Two of them, actually. It's like a looting. Oh my joint. God. No, the big one for me, Tyler, that really kind of got me going, like, oh, oh, besides Final Destination 3, Urban Legend 2 was a big one for me. Oh, yeah. I love that. I mean, obviously, it's set in a film school. So I was like, oh, this is for me. No, no spoilers, YouTube, because I recently watched Urban Legend for the first time like three weeks ago. And I was enamored with that movie. And I had to know more about these sequel movies. So when you pitched it, I thought, so I saw that movie in the theater. (laughs) Roman went to the motherfucking premiere of that movie. Whoa. Of which movie? Urban Legend. He doesn't remember. Oh, the first (laughs) one. Yeah, I was there. Because I have some friends. I have friends that were in that movie. Or that, yeah. Little thought. I was going to say, I little remember- friends like Jared Leto, you know, no big deal. No, but I did <laughs> I did get to go. So, uh, like, Callista, no, what's her name? Judy Greer. Yeah, Judy. So she, she was with, like, it was, these people were not big stars at that time, you know. They, I, I worked at a nightclub in L.A., and everybody would go, so, um yeah, I would meet him there. I'd see people there. And I had friends. My friend is a director there. So I would meet a lot of these people. And we didn't really think anything of it. But I went to go see that. And I saw H2O. Yeah. And I remember thinking, like, I remember thinking H2O, this is fun. But it, we all thought it was really funny that a movie like that was coming out. Because we thought, nobody nobody cares about this shit anymore. You know? An urban yeah. legend. Those it was were fun. a month apart. A month apart? Right. H2O came out in August, and then Urban Legend was in September. Oh, my gosh. That's why I was seeing them, because, you know, I loved horror, but I kind of let it, we moved on to other things for a while, because there wasn't really anything like that coming out. And I remember H2O was a big event, and I thought, this is so funny. I can't believe they're doing this. And then after that, everyone was, there was, like, new vigor, because it was just really exciting, you know, um, but I, I don't really remember a lot of other movies like the. I know I saw a whole bunch of them, but from that time period, I think it's the people that were a little bit older than me that were seeing the Nightmare on Elm Street in the theater as they were coming out. Like I, I was seeing them as soon as they would hit the DVD stores because mm-hmm. I was a little too young to be in the theaters, but I was like hungrily waiting. Um, but the people that were a little bit older were going to see Nightmare Two. They were gonna wa- they were watching it in the theater, and then they'd be like, "Ah, okay, that was fun," or "Wow, that was cool." On to the next thing. They didn't care as much, and that's how we were in the '90s. It was like, "Okay, I just saw some movie. I forget what it was called, but it was really fun," you know. So <laughs> yeah. that's kind of my <clears throat> '90s experience. So so just a Roman. <laughs> <laughs> I I was you know I was in elementary school and I. <laughs> saw Scream with my best friend. His mom bought us tickets. We snuck in with the only people in the theater. I 
love this movie. I was terrified. I thought I was going to die. Mm-hmm. And then like six months later, they've already got the sequel. They're ready yep. to go. Kevin Williamson is on crack in the 90s. Right, right. He talks a lot about that period <laughs> being like, I can't do any more. Stop mm-hmm. making me do the, all these things. He didn't want to write H2O. He just wrote the treatment. And, all and he did the faculty as well. I love so, the faculty. Yeah. He did Dawson's Creek too, which is like seminal for me. Dawson's However, Creek's a gray area for me, but nice. My best sequel moment ever. Scream 2, opening day. I'm in seventh grade. My sister tells me, she's like, okay, I will take you to see this movie. I will be that like cool older sister. Nice. She's out, she's an adult. She's out of college. She's back home working. She's a career woman. She's bringing <laughs> this 12 year old kid and his best friend to see Scream 2 at a sold out theater full of high school kids. And I am wearing a ghost face costume with a plastic <laughs> knife running around pretending that I am, you know, the scariest person here. This is before Columbine. This is before 9-11, when people could just dress up in costume like a serial killer and it was cute. (laughs) You couldn't do that now. Um, I always get really uh, kind of jealous and angry at other fandoms like Harry Potter or Marvel or Lord of the Rings. Like y'all get to have these midnight movies where you can dress in character and no one's like threatened or causes a big scene. But if you get excited, hyper active about horror movies, they're like, what's wrong with you? You gotta call the police. This kid is not safe. I just was living for Scream 2. That's probably my best sequel memory of all time. And what do you think yeah, of Scream you know, 2? You know, the oh, I loved have- it. I still love it. <laughs> They have, but they have horror conventions now and comic they, conventions. And now like, they do. Now they do. So this is not they as They make up for your one, your one moment of wearing that costume. They get to do it like for a whole event and keep going. Like we didn't right, have that. Right, right. But see, that's, that's still a new thing. Like now I'm an adult and I could do these things and it's even probably more criminal. I don't know. But <laughs> I, I still love Scream 2 and that whole car crash moment oh yeah like peeling back the thing going over the front seat out the like i have never been so tense in a theater and everyone around me is like (laughs) it is intoxicating especially like now having made starting to make films and i am trying to take that experience that i had as a kid and give it to other people and that's that's what i get from these slasher movies, from these horror movies. They're not good, technical, award-winning, thought-provoking things, but they are very visceral. And when you make a good one and you make an entire room of people scream and then laugh because they're screaming and then scream again, it is the pinnacle. It is the reason to do it. It is, that is what being high is like for me. And I want more of it. He's so really, did he, you did you choose Sleepaway Camp too? I sure did. Okay. He he, he the put it there. On. He he put it there, and I was like, "Oh, I have that Blu-ray on Screen Factory. What a great way to come back to the podcast with some clout and brag about that, and have you two on here to talk about it." I was like, "Perfect opportunity." I am um, I am a big fan of Serial Mom. Kathleen Turner. Kathleen Turner. She's wonderful. I go to Camp John Waters a couple of times. 
it's a wild time. And I love the fact that he got to make a slasher movie in his way. And I feel like it does take a heavily from Sleepaway Camp 2 and the way that like, we are gonna make a slasher movie where it's not a mystery who the killer is. We're not concerned about this. We're concerned about people being assholes and being punished for being assholes. And I love that. <laughs> but we have to talk about Sleepaway Camp 2. Let's get into it. But I think we can't even talk about it without talking about the first one. <laughs> and I'm and I'm not here to talk about Sleepaway Camp 1 because if you're a horror fan or if you're into like sequels or you just, you know, if you know me, Sleepaway Camp, I was late to the party with. My roommate, Daniel, who runs the Cobwebs podcast, which is a great podcast that I always recommend people to listen to. So dusty. So he, we, we were college roommates, we're college buddies. I, Daniel showed me Sleepaway Camp in college. So I'm 25 now, but he showed it to me in college. And um, uh, I, I, I knew right then and there, this movie was for me. And I was like, I, I was open to a whole new world of different horror movies, but that ending to Sleepaway Camp and just, yeah, I absolutely. And, and also, you know, short shorts are coming back. You too, you know, like the five inch short trend. You ain't gotta tell me, honey. I'm a oh, homosexual. Hey, I've hey, seen it. I'm wearing I, it. I got them in different colors. Like it's on yeah. rotation for me on weekends. We don't like, need new on. colors. Just black. <laughs> Just black. But I mean, this movie puts those to shame with the three inch shorts. Bold. I oh applaud it. But bold. Um, yeah, Sleepaway Camp is just like. It's, it's just like a special movie that came out at a special time and it's going to stand the test of time. But when I watched Sleepaway Camp 2 and I watched the bonus features and you listen to the audio commentaries and you listen to the, the interviews with the cast and crew, they make a good case in point for, you know, why their sequel. And I don't know if you two, how you two watch it, but I watched it with the Screen Factory release and, and the bonus features were impeccable on there. Um, man, that crew, they're pretty damn proud of the work they did. And I can't help but stand that. They think this sequel is better than the first one. <laughs> uh, I have to admit that I just watched the first one for the first time. Me too. Me too. <laughs> you too. I, because you too. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen part two so many times and I've always tried tried to watch the first one and I make it about 30 minutes in and I'm like, I need to do something else. Yeah, but, like just the opening scene to that, I was like, I, ugh, their accent is awful and who's directing these children? And oh no, am I going to make it through 90 minutes of this? And then, and then I was like, okay, it's picking up, I get it. Right, but then right. like, I kind of hated every single person in that movie and it's so Felicia Rose is Felicia's fa fabulous. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I'm like, she's staring at people in a real <laughs> confrontational way. What does she think people are going to do? If, right, if right. somebody is just staring at you like that, like you are an imbecile, you're going to want to punch him in the face. So like the empathy wasn't really growing with me, but it was also <laughs> extremely offensive coming at every angle. Like right. it just was... And I, I, I feel like these movies get a pass to be offensive and gross because you're in a, some, as a horror viewer, you are supposed to enjoy them getting murdered or like that's the fun of the movie. They can, like they have to 
depict them as the most awful people. So you're like, yeah, get them. That's great. That's fun. It's when you have sympathetic characters who you like, when the killing of them isn't fun and it's actually really devastating. And a good movie will like have one or two characters that you really care about and then save it for the 60 minute, minute mark for them to die. So then you're like, oh God, now I care who survives this because my favorite character is gone. These movies are like, no, we hate everybody. You're gonna have so much fun watching them die. Just wait. Well, there's there's a big difference between part one and part two. So I have seen part two a number of times. I think this was like the third or fourth time I've seen it. Wow. The first one, obviously, was my first time seeing it. And I was like hoping it would be like a Friday the 13th. But it was Mm -hmm. definitely below that. Okay, so because we both just watched this, I was so shocked at the ending that that was it. It's like that was it. It's it's probably like a you know 20 minutes of a Friday the 13th movie where you realize what's going on and there's a final confrontation. This movie doesn't have that. It's like, okay, here's the killer, and we're gonna explain this it was, and then it's this over. This is the epitome of like using transphobia as the punchline. This was I mean, I have seen the ending before I didn't really realize that like it literally just cuts hard cut right, to that right. and we're done seeing it start to finish made me like kind of hate it a lot <laughs> <laughs> which which so and the reason why I'm saying this I know we're not going on about the first one but I I was like you said sleepaway camp too and I was like I hate sleepaway camp too <laughs> But, Thanks, Tyler, for putting me in a in a really good position. What are you here. talking about? No, no, no. We're having the best discussion ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so then I thought, okay, I'm gonna have. I I thought I knew what I was gonna say about it, and then when I watched the first one, and and then the second one, I was like, you know what? Actually, I totally have a different uh, feeling about part two now. Partially because I feel like they they it's a step up from that first one which i think is atrocious and for many reasons not just moral ones but part two comes in and they're like just from scene number one they're like we're gonna throw out the whodunit bullshit and just Mm -hmm. let's have fun from the killer's perspective and i was like okay you know what i can go with this right yes in roman Hang on to that opinion of the first one forever. I know that doesn't mean anything <laughs> coming from me, but from someone who's priding themselves on a podcast and YouTube channel of having hot takes and egregious opinions for the common normality of accepted films and iconic, you know, the icon of film and horror. And, and this isn't just an exclusive horror podcast, but we do talk about a lot of horror movies and, and stuff. But I mean, just to say you like a sequel, maybe more than the original in itself is outrageous to some people in an opinion. I love that hot take. I love that. So hang on to it because I watched, I, will. I watched the way camp one and two with someone, um, a, my partner who she, she hadn't seen any of these movies. And um, we been to the purge films, the first four purge films. And then we watched the way camp one and two for this. And uh, she was like, Oh, that's the ending. And I was like, we had totally different experiences watching this movie for the first time. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I, love I mean, not not to stay on the first one, but having just watched it, I did. Obviously, I love the fashion. It is that perfect like time capsule of 
um, early 80s before, like this movie feels like the conservatism of Reagan hadn't happened yet. Like it's still lingering <laughs> on the sexiness of the 70s and like everything's really short and yeah. we're like, we got long hair and it's like gnarly and we're, we're listening to Loverboy and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, crop tops and short shorts. I love all of that. Um, but but I, interestingly I enough, say... I rewatched uh, Risky Business, which came out a year after um, Sleepaway Camp. And that is like the teenagers in that movie look like 40 year old adults. Like oh. the, the, the way that they're costumed and they're like, they have so many layers and it's all like, oatmeal and beige and it's like this is boring however these kids at summer camp are having fun and and having a good time and but tyler that's also because sleepaway camp actually it seems like it should be from 1979 or 80 but it's because it's from like uh the east coast it's not even like friday the 13th which is an la production that's done on the east coast it's like an east coast production they're behind the times it was like it was like from Baltimore. Like, what is that accent? And it's, they were just good. late it's to good. the party. That's why they were having a good time. They that's what what was actually happening at that time was risky business, where you've got like Jamie Gertz, like Gertz dressing like to the nines at some high Hollywood party. And uh, then you've got less than zero. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's it's, I, it's hard. It's hard for me with the sleepaway camp. But, but but like to jump back to the topic at hand, the fashion of sleepaway camp two is like pinnacle 80s hair. I love the volume and the curls everyone's got. It is, it reminds me of home. It feels very homecoming <laughs> to me. You know what's weird? Wait, you're talking, talking about part two now, right? I'm talking about part two now. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. It's weird because 80, 86 is when this movie comes out. 85, you had 88. Street. It's 88. Oh, is it 88? Yeah. So, no, no, no. So, 1988, the same year as The Blob with uh, Kevin Dillon. Interesting. Oh, right. I love that movie. And I think Child's Play also came out in 1988. I want to think I know something about film. The theater. Oof. Right. <laughs> um, I think it's so cool that you two remember seeing these super awesome movies in theaters. I think that's so cool because um, I hope to be in that position at some point. I hope to go. I remember when I was when Candyman and Get Out. Remakes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like these like awesome movies, except A24 films for the most part. I don't want to be like, oh, yeah, I was there. Where the okay. Okay. I mean, not not to break conversation, but that story you're about to tell, if it does not include Malignant, you need to go to the theater right now and watch it. So tell me, tell me. So Sleepaway Camp 2, um, it straight up just starts with who the killer is. And Angela is played by Bruce Springsteen's daughter, which I didn't know about until my recent rewatch for this movie. And then I realized one of the actresses is Emilio Estevez's sister, who then I follow the family tree. And she to- was Betty Finn in Heather's. Yes, yes. And then she's related to Charlie Sheen and Martin Sheen because that's all in the same family tree. Oh, like, man. I didn't know all this. I was, I'm, I'm not in Hollywood. You didn't like know you Hollywood two. is all about connections? I didn't. The, the, <laughs> the best I knew was about Nick Cage being related remotely to Francis Ford Coppola. That's as far, like, that's as deep as I could go in. I mean, you two are the Hollywood guys now. So it's like, I don't know. It's all in who you know. It's all in who you know. Um, they definitely you would never ex- just from the way this movie looks even the first 10 minutes 
you wouldn't think that there would be any names in this movie because even though it looks a lot better than the first one, it looks it looks good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the writing is shit. Or, you know, like, it's definitely camp. And it's so camp. You, you don't expect, you just don't expect it to have anybody that's, like, trying to advance their career in it or further their career. So uh, I don't know if that's fair to say, but, you know, I, I did like the fact that it opened and here's Angela and she's making it. They're making a mockery of the whole thing. And they're like, this is all going to be tongue in cheek. Um, tons of offensive stuff. Not that I'm easily offended. Right. I don't care. Like it's a fair game in this world. Like anybody can be a killer, but I feel like when I can tell who wrote this movie and their limited lack of life experience, it does sort of kind of hinder my enjoyment of the movie. And Sleepaway Camp, the first one, blew that out of the water. The second one, I was constantly reminded that some dipshit penned this movie, but but I still had a good time with it. Right. It is it is checking off a lot of boxes, which what we expect in an 80s slasher movie. Just like ridiculous um gratuitous nudity immediately oh my god and it's for as often and for as long as humanly possible did you know that this movie is 79 minutes long yeah five minutes of that are credits and there's a dream sequence which is three minute highlight reel of the movie you already saw yeah (laughs) yeah i have that in my notes tyler and you did your homework plenty of this Screen time is dedicated to topless women doing a complete Judy Greer from Arrested Development, being like, it's the last time you'll see these again, Michael. There's it, a, there's so good. much boobs in this movie. It's like it make a softcore porn jealous. Um the writer, I think his name's you know his name's Fritz, and his last name, I think it's Fritz Gordon. I, I'm not quite sure. I know it's the first name was Fritz. And you watch the bonus features, and like I said, the crew for this movie. They're really damn proud of themselves of this. Like they, <laughs> they thought this surpassed the the original, and sure, they changed the they changed the whole formula up of this. This movie came out nineteen eighty eight, real late in the game for you know slasher movies in the genre, and they go for a comedic blend, almost like a early. And it, I'm not saying it's like like you know I'm not meaning any sort of connection, but. It's almost kind of like what the 90s and like the Scream movies would eventually do right with the comedy and the horror. Right. Um, this movie kind of tries to do that, but doesn't know and doesn't have the resources to kind of try and do that. Um, I, but basically- I, I think they make a conscious choice at the beginning of the movie that like, this is fun. We're not being serious. Yeah. It's not a mystery who's doing this. It's not um, a morality. I mean, it's a bastardized morality tale, essentially. <laughs> But we're, gonna, we're, so just, we're just going to kill people, get them naked, let them have sex, and then let them die over and but over again. But I didn't again. really even think that the death stuff was that great. I mean, there's one right. later that we'll get to that I think is actually one of the best in almost any movie, which is what saves it for me. But right. I feel like right. a lot of this stuff was, a lot of the death stuff was like, wait, I've seen better. Yeah, where's yeah, the poor? Yeah. Right. You know? So right. the only thing that it's like I'm following Angela now because I'm like, 
I got to see where this bitch is going to take this, you know? Like, is she going to actually going to kill everybody? Is it going to be just like a parody of slasher movies? And I think they did. I I think they did a pretty good job of that. I think Roman is the first person to have me kind of like hyperventilate with opinions on films, especially (laughs) schlocky films. Because I'm kind of like... (laughs) And he's saying these things. I'm like, yeah, yeah, roll it with the punches, roll with the punches. And he says it. And I'm like, oh my God, what? What? No, there's no fucking way he just said that. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. He, you know. Well, you know, I talk shit about these things, but I, I'm appreciating them too for other things. But I don't, you have to at least acknowledge the garbage that <laughs> right, it is. Right. Roman is just a smarter really me, like... is what I'm starting to realize. <laughs> oh, I hope to you. be that in like five years. Because aren't you like 30, right? Yeah. yeah, he's he's so Alabama twenty seven. <laughs> uh, I I have to say I put my first note was I love the kid who's always making boob slang. Um, <laughs> oh, I don't know his name. Party hats, party hats, two o'clock. Party hats, like every line they have that kid come in like ten times with some new phrase, and he's like constantly taking Polaroids at windows, and like nobody's stopping this kid. Titty he control. was the hero of this movie. What? Good point. What? He it's was awesome. Betty he was he was like Tyler. He was the shit disturber. <laughs> he was constantly like he was great. I don't know what his name is. I should probably look it up. I hope he's still acting, but they gave him good lines. Hope he hope he's still taking pictures with a polaroid honestly. No. Yeah. <laughs> first of all, first of all, we both saw those two shots. We shot we saw the shot of him holding the camera against the window, no flash. We look at those Polaroids later, there is clearly a flash being used <laughs> to get, you can't, I mean, let's be real. You don't just get photography like that through a window. That's, that's, so not, tr- that's not how they do it. Yeah, and his arms weren't, his elbows weren't at a 90 degrees and he didn't adjust for the aperture. He didn't, I, I don't even know what his ISOs were on that. One camera. of the greatest film flubs of all time i said there you go (laughs) um but can we just appreciate that um man so this movie like you you say these things and it goes for the camp and boy does it go for the camp like angela is like a has a like early on full-on sex change angela goes to therapy gets released uh, oddly gets a job at a summer camp and then they just so happen to know a few years earlier about the Camp Arawick from the first movie. And then right. she's just like methodically killing every camper that crosses her path based on her like oddly Christian morality and then excusing it with the camp uh, like owner. Like, oh, I just sent them home. And I'm right. like, huh? <laughs> Anyone who's ever gone on a group vacation with an Aries knows that person i'm an aries I'm <laughs> so am i i am that person i have you know had a list of itinerary and things i am the, the cruise the cruise captain this is what we're gonna do from this time and this period and when this is how we're gonna have fun and if you deviate from that you're dead you're de- that's why we had separate hotel rooms <laughs> i love like how from now on whenever i reach in the back of my car it's like if someone's like, what are you reaching for? A gun? gun. <laughs> no, a drill. And then I couldn't help but get 
Abel Ferreira, 1979 Driller Killer vibes. Like this movie is all about homage to better horror movies that came right. out before. And it, it is obvious when you watch it that like, if you don't have this steady understanding of the genre or what ball game we're playing here, you kind of, you don't get those necessary parts of filmmaking where you're like, where am I? Why is this happening? Why is nobody noticing that these people are gone or missing? The first movie does have a little bit of the camp director being like, uh, I'll cover it up. We won't tell anyone that someone died because I don't want to freak anybody out. This movie's like, we don't really care. On to the next. This is a body count movie. We need a fresh kill every 10 minutes, sometimes two or three at a time. We'll the take it. The body count in this movie is higher than my own body count. I was like, holy shit. I was like, how many people have you killed? (laughs) Because oh, that that body count. In this movie, Angela's got 17. You see, I'm just trying to brag for the internet so they don't think I'm just some you know podcast virgin out here. You know, you are definitely a podcast virgin. It's okay. (laughs) He's it's something to be proud of. I picked this shirt because I thought it would make me seem like I'm appealing, you know, to to (laughs) some banana. Uh, but Roman, what do you what, what do you have to say about just the tone of this movie compared to the first one? Like you say, like it's bad writing, but it's kind of fun. Um, so, so like, when- let me let me clear let me clarify that. One of my notes here says I give them an A for effort for their sex scene dialogue because oh. <laughs> the dialogue that they have when they're trying to like forward the story when they're talking about Angela, when they're talking about the important topics, the sensitive topics, they get everything wrong and they are completely offensive in a way that's not like, you know, oh, I'm not like some old, old fart that's like, oh, you shouldn't offend anybody. It's like, no, you're saying this wrong and you don't know what you're talking about. But when it comes to like, they really put all their effort into their multiple sex scenes and their sex dialogue, people making out, and like there's the girl and the guy that are like furiously trying to like get their clothes off in the bathroom. I oh. love that shot so much. And I was like, what exactly are they doing here? <laughs> when, like she's like caught and clearly leaning on him and he's just carrying her over to the bathroom. And then and like, she's like, like on top of the toilet and he's trying to go down on her while she's standing up. I'm like, I don't, I don't think that's how it's supposed to go. All, first of all. Props to ever showing a woman receiving any sort of pleasure in a movie of this era. Like you never get that. Oh, so never. they get, you know, half star at least <laughs> just for allowing a woman to have pleasure or at least, you know, the appearance of it. Even if it's but not they also, believable. They also had like ridiculous dialogue going on during all of this stuff. And I thought, okay, you know what? At least you didn't just save it all for one angle. You threw it all over the place. And then so, you get like, Angela going like, hey, are you in there? Oh, yeah, I have cramps. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Uh, I think ca- but like there's candles set up. Like, are they going to have sex on the ground of the bathroom? Like, okay. Why I love this movie is it's follies. This movie feels like... It could be a National Lampoon's can't sleep away camp too kind of movie because it has so much nudity and sex and comedy. And um, 
you'd get an oddly like creepy Chevy Chase and I wouldn't be remotely freaked out by that. It, you, you know? Um, right. It is interesting to compare this because it comes out at the same time that Meatballs <laughs> is this summer camp sex comedy, long running series. There's probably like eight of them in total that are happening at the same time the Sleepaway Camp movies are happening as Friday the 13th movies are happening. Like summer camp was just an excuse to get young people out in the woods away from polite society to let them do what teens want to do. And so now you have Sleepaway Camp 2 who's like, y'all know what we do at summer camp. Let's, let's just uh, do it quicker. Was Much everyone faster. horny in 1988 then? Because of a lot Every of sex. Everyone is horny in the 80s. And you're allowed to be horny because that's what gets you killed. And these movies are about punishing people for in immoral acts, which I find really problematic. Like I want to root for Angela and the fact that you've made this trans character front and center of this horror franchise. And as the audience of horror franchises go, you show up for the monster. You show mm -hmm. up to see them do what they do best and we love it. And now you get a trans character and it is not great to have your only representation of transness be serial killers and monsters. But in that transgressive way of being queer, watching queer people be the heroes, the anti-heroes of these movies is really thrilling because you get to see how awful the campers are, they call each other faggot, calling her a dyke. She gets to enact some sort of revenge on them. And that's really fun for me as a queer person to watch. I'm like, yeah, get them, they're awful. These are awful people. I get to enjoy you being free and murderous. This is fun. Um, it would be a little bit more fun if she wasn't, I feel like she's portrayed more like a mentally disturbed person first and a trans person second. Right. You right. Know? I, and that's I, where my enjoyment ends with her is why I'm like, had she just been more like, y'all fucked me, now I'm going to fuck you. You know, but I, instead she's crazy and she's crazy because she's trans and that's where i have a problem with it if they could have just maybe developed her character not changed how she acts but just right. given her a little bit more of like i'm here for revenge it would have been a whole different experience for me and right. she has like an oddly like moral compass of like rooted in some sort of christianity because she's like has a cross she talks about god and she's like you know i'm proud to be a virgin you know holding it up for someone special and like killing people who swear you know you talk <laughs> too much you know with the guitar string strangle right and um, right. and she's kind of playing judge and executioner in a way and um what this movie lacks in substance I think it makes up for in creativity and it for, so we talked about the horror fans, the horror community who watch these kind of movies that are bad, but great movies. Like we said earlier, this is an example of a movie that's a sequel to um, regardless of what, like it has one iconic scene. It has creative scenes in it. Um, this movie for, so there's two types of horror film watchers. There's people who love the iconic horror 
monster villains, the Freddies, the Jasons and stuff. And they watch everything that those characters are in. And no matter what, they can't disparage between the differences of them. They just like that character. And then there's the horror fans who like love the craft and the creativity of these films, regardless of the bad writing and the bad messages and the dated messages they have. But we can come around and, and I know maybe we'll have different opinion. For me, it's like, wow, there's some creativity in the, one of the special effects department and two with the, the direction because the cameras are angled so unique for this kind of movie. You wouldn't think, I think his last name was Simpson. Um, the, the, I didn't think this kind of director in this kind of movie would have like low, ang- low rise angle shots. It has long tracking shots. It has one take shots. It has insanely creative death sequences. And when you watch the bonus features, the reasons behind said you know kill sequences and the homage to basically ripping off like you see you basically get a mount rush more in this movie you get one person depicting freddy krueger you get one person being jason you get one person being leatherface and one being finally freddy krueger then you get a drill scene which i really do, do feel like that feels like abel ferreira's driller killer from 79 which if you two haven't seen i bet you have I, I can't recommend that movie enough. It's fantastic. <laughs> it, it does it does uh, harken back to this long running tradition of horror filmmakers kind of calling each other out and one upping each other. Mm-hmm. I was first made aware of it during Evil Dead when they go to the basement and there's oh, that poster yeah. ripped off the wall yeah. of The Hills Have Eyes, mm-hmm. and then they're constantly like riffing on each other, being like, "You think that's the scariest movie? I could do one better." And mm-hmm. I appreciate it in this movie because it, it's, you know, it's 10 years before Scream, give or take, and it's establishing a world in which horror movies exist and the current staples are aware, like the, the, the characters in this movie know who Freddy Krueger is, know mm-hmm. who Jason is, they know what territory they're in, and yet they still go camping. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, did you notice like in the near the end of the movie when Angela shows her lair where she has everybody she's killed like all together? It's like happy birthday to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It feels like that. And it also feels like Maniac. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the original yeah. Maniac, but not the not the uh, Elijah Wood remake, but the original one with uh, Tony Servino, I think is his name um, from the 70s. It kind of feels like that in a way. And I'm like, man, this movie actually... May I hope to think the writer or the, the makers of this movie had an appreciation for these horror movies. Um, but it just, you know, from somebody who, you know, appreciates that in other horror movies, I know these, whoever made this movie didn't think these movies are going to be living up to them, but they're showing an appreciation to the genre, especially late in the game. I kind of enjoy that a little bit. Um, but I will also say, thank God this movie is under 90 minutes because I would think, you think you're better than you really are, huh? Like but you really shockingly, <laughs> we still get this three-minute dream sequence of shit we've already seen. Unforgivable. <laughs> and it's in a blue, it's like in a blue like blue like filter. It's right. ridiculous. That I mean, you don't make an 80-minute movie on purpose. Some shit went down and they had to cut around it and be like, make it shorter. Just <laughs> get in and get out which I have a great time, but I'm, there's still moments in this movie that drag. And I'm like, how do you do that in 73 minutes? It, it I, I kind of think that a lot, so here's the thing. This didn't have a lot of suspense. 
No. There was zero suspense no. in this movie, right? Whereas an, an obvious comparison would be any of the Friday or earlier Friday the 13th movies. They still have that kind of like, oh, I got stabbed and, and the person dies in three seconds, right? There's no suffering. There's no torture. It's just, boom, got you. You're dead. This movie had that. But Friday the 13th will have this suspense and this lurking that gets you there. And this they didn't have any of that. And that is what I felt like I was missing was like, OK, I need that if you want me to have a laugh payoff. Is is it weird that the tone of this movie just changes from comedy and like storytelling and then to straight really oddly dark kills and like punchlines? It's kind of started to have a better time is when Angela kind of was no longer faking it anymore. And suddenly she's off the rails. (laughs) And I'm like, wait a second. One of the best scenes. There were two scenes in this movie that I actually think are hands down brilliant. And the first one is when. The, the girl, the black girl is telling her, oh, my God, I tried calling everybody's moms and they said, we're still here. And Angela's just moseying around the room, picking up anything, seeing, trying out murder weapons. Right. Joking, right. Like, how's this going to work? It was perfect. And it went on for a while. I mean, she was like not listening to this girl and picking up anything she could to see what am I going to kill this bitch with? Right. Right. And like, it was hilarious. She was the closest thing to like a final girl in this movie. Mm -hmm. She did the investigating. She was supposed to like figure this shit out and uh, she just couldn't stop talking. So she had to die. She had to die. That, that scene there is what I wanted the whole movie to be like, where they, they kind of elevated Mm -hmm. to a, a level of comedy that was like, because it's, it's that whole long anticipation of what's going to happen. Yeah, it was funny the way they did it, but like they didn't have a lot of buildup to stuff. That They did that in Scary Movie when they kill Shannon Elizabeth and she keeps talking yeah. after she's been decapitated. <laughs> like, ooh, I'm so scared. <laughs> what makes this movie, like we're talking about this movie and like, cri- like critiquing parts of it in like, for me what's great what's funny about this movie is like the more the movie goes on the worse the budget in the locale oh my god start to get that five minute chase scene of the same two shots yeah and i swear they use the same kill scene at one point in this movie because the guy the people who did this movie they had a contract where they made two and three simultaneously. So right after they finished the second one, they started directing the third one with the same actors and a few of them from the second one volunteered to be in the third one. That's the- brilliant. I love that. Like as, as a, as a filmmaker, as like, <laughs> Oh my God, let me make one movie, but actually no, let me make two. I'm going to like squeeze this for every last drop. And obviously the, cast who were still in the third i didn't see i haven't seen the third one i don't know if it's good or not but i love anything like this really i love the third one yeah i'm watching it next and there's more nudity in that one believe it or not and angela wears a bad blonde wig (laughs) but she comes in as a she comes in with a mission but anyway good good okay i'm watching that um but no i these movies are great in the sense that like here's some bullshit story we don't really have to invent a lot of new things but we are excited to be making a movie and we'll make two three four at a time if we need to (laughs) i i want to do that now 
Someone they give did, me a but job. it did it did seem like it suffered. Like as you were saying that the but it seemed like you could see a, the draining dollars as the movie went on. <laughs> but but uh, but then that outhouse scene so good was remarkable. <laughs> and it wasn't even what's what down saw. there. Shit. It was like the this is where the dialogue writing came in and, and saved it. Like you should have been the first one to go. Right. That one so right there. Good. So good. <laughs> I love the part like where they're in the was... shed. Oh, hey, look who's on TV. And you see that headless boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> she see that's when that's when the movie got really good for me. It's like, had she been off the rails like this, or at least hinting at it from the beginning, I would have been cool. But this phony, like moral stance she has. Right, right is where I was like, wait a second, am I just, are you just saying that like trans people are like psychos or is this a psycho, you know? Angela's just like, oh my gosh, you just cut somebody's head off. I'm such a Libra. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I, towards the end of the movie when she gets on her killing spree, it's really fun and great. In the beginning, it's like, she's only punishing women and she's punishing Mm. this girl for being around the boys and how dare she? you know, have loose, have a loose tongue. Yeah, or... TC's kind of a weirdo, eh? Like the, the lead camp counselor? He is a weirdo. He, a I'm like, he yeah. has a weird mullet, but those thighs could choke me to death. Yeah, I I do have <laughs> to say, I may, I said that um, I would totally bang Rob. Wait. You have to say that. See, I was really crushing on Sean, who got his head in the TV. Oh, I was oh. I was totally simping over the ending lady who gave Angela a car ride home where she's like, I'm too dumb to drink and too fat to fuck. <laughs> oh, I loved her. Uh, and I was actually, like, sign me up. You're going to, in the, in the very beginning, fucked, you want to know who you're fucking? There, there, there was the woman on the clipboard with like, the like really short, short haircut, hair. And she came in at the end. I'm like, this is the lesbian nurse that I wish was the final girl of the movie. Oh, I yeah. want her to like save the day. <laughs> but I there's one other thing that I wrote down about Sleepaway Camp 2 that I wanted to mention cuz at first I was like this isn't funny these are pretty tired jokes and then as it went on I was like Angela's actually getting kind of funny now like she's saying <laughs> well, like you got jokes huh? in a window you know like I loved her attitude <laughs> like she became such a little bitch as it went on and it was really funny and then I realized they did this with all the movies at that time 1988 is when back to my original statement about how it became so like big business they were like the formula of the you know you think of the 80s if in general had this like wacky edge like wild colors neon scribbles trapper keepers and it really like if you think about freddy krueger in part four and five like he wasn't scary Mm. he was funny it was all about those zingers, like Garfield with sunglasses. Like we had <laughs> this real weird um, hybrid of pop culture icons and referencing the time in which they are. It was like this, you know, like Alf with a Coke bottle. Like that's what this movie felt like to me. And the more I realized that year and when it came out and that like, oh, this kind of comedy is so self-aware because that's what we were. Pee Wee's 
Playhouse, Cindy Lauper, like it, it was all this wild zany tone that we had that was kind of getting out of style by 1988. It was really the mid 80s where it exploded with like the whole zany MTV ad commercials with like flying spaceships and weird collage stuff happening. By 1988, corporate America thought people still wanted that. And so I feel like that's why it was this movie didn't deliver that very well. But then as it progressed and she just became mean and funny, it worked for me. Mm. So I can watch the second half of this movie over and over again. I I but, love yeah. Roman, your just perspective on that. Just like noticing these slight changes in the decade because a lot of horror movies from like 1980 to 84, I guess Nightmare on Elm Street, they do change. And, and it's not just like with like the icon and just like the present the presenting of them in like what you say, like MTV. Also, technically, horror movies change. You get things that start, like you think of like The Gate, you know, you think about like the use of like early CGI, the Tom, uh, the Jim Henson, like Dark Crystal and like a lot of these other like, you know, animatronics, even the Hellraiser movies to an extent. Um it's just like the technology changes, horror changes then. And then once we get to the nineties, I mean, it's a mm. completely different ball game, you know? And I think well, that's dream, why, Oh, go ahead. Dream, dream warriors. Actually, you know, we, we recognize dream warriors as being when um, horror and heavy metal really married, you yeah. know? Uh, I mean, it's not the first time that like uh, horror really, boosted its soundtrack and started like you know marketing with music as well but it's when they really decided we're gonna really push this and adopt because heavy metal was the was similar to like uh horror in that sense that like it was the taboo thing you know so when the two got together it was amazing this movie actually had great music in it it had the it's dead a weird man on a boombox it's a weird metal like ballad at the end credit <laughs> i see but i it's kind of cool like we take for granted that like a lot during that time that was when a lot of bands were first getting exposure uh -huh. and people were liking movies because of their soundtracks before we'd even seen the movie so it was like, and that, while I think is great, I love it. I have a whole collection of 80s horror soundtracks on vinyl. But at the same time, it's just guys in suits. They're like, how can we make more money? Oh, let's also cross promote. Hey, let's get a McDonald's Happy Meal. Like, it's all the same thing. It's the same mentality. I would eat a sleepaway camp to meal at McDonald's. Yeah, <laughs> it would be. Hopefully, it wouldn't be from the outhouse scene, but... Oh, I we think... didn't talk about my favorite shot when they're roasting wieners over the fire. <laughs> and she's shoving a giant plump beef hot dog in her mouth as Angela shows up as Leatherface. Like, ah! <laughs> they they definitely had it's it was subtlety. It was I mean not subtlety. It was like it was a little understated in the comedy. They were playing it straight, but they definitely had a lot of references in there. It was good. What did you think of it, though, Chris? Overall. Sleepaway Camp 2. So this is the second time I watched this movie. And, uh, you know, the first time I watched it, I kind of, like, passed. It I was like, cool, I watched it. I'm on to the next one. But rewatching it, I was like, 
this movie, you know, the writing is a little iffy, but it's 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 a complete change of pace. And I really enjoyed that because if we got something similar to the first one, I would have kind of gotten bored to make, you know, to make to make it easy. But with rewatching it, I was like, this is fun. This is like so I have a weird subgenre of horror movies in this podcast. I was, I've been doing this for a year now. It's like these are this is the kind of movie you want to like get drunk to, and then you'll look at the TV. I was gonna say and if you'll I laugh. Was drinking would have been so much better. And right. I'd be like, for "Yes, sure. Queen, get him, sis." You know, like with Angela. <laughs> Who are you trying to impress right now? <laughs> I've never said. I've never heard anyone sound less convincing. Oh. Say those two things. <laughs> Work on it. <laughs> But it, it's true. Like, we needed alcohol for that. You needed to feel silly, not scared. This um, was a silly movie. I will say now, I- We're at this point now. I think this, what we're talking about, is why I think this is not a good movie, but a great movie. Yeah. Because if you're watching this with people and you're invested and you're engaged, you are screaming, you are laughing. You're not screaming because you're scared. You're screaming because this movie is fucking ridiculous. I've never had more fun. Yeah. It is wrong. It is bad. I have never felt better. <laughs> it is one of those movies where I, I want to put it with a crowd and they'll look at the back and they'll be like, why the hell is there like a burnt, you know, skeleton with someone tied <laughs> up right now? And I'm like, you know. Did, I looked at all those corpses in the room and I was like, wait, who was that? How did that yeah. person die? Did I miss something? <laughs> but they... But they, it looked, that was the best looking shit in the whole movie. Like, we should have had some more of that throughout. But when they did a close up of each of the corpses and half yeah, of them shot. are breathing, half of them are breathing. I could see the breathing too. <laughs> I was like, Tyler's totally going to notice this because you're, you're Mr. Like, finger wagging everything. Oh, so. he's the cinema sins. Okay. Yeah. No, but see, like, I'm like, mm. sounds like I would be, but I'm not. I'm like, just go with it, dude. <laughs> I'm right. so forgiving in the in an era of like corporate universal releases of horror franchise, a la the Conjuring universe movies. And that's too many words. Say it again with less. <laughs> in the in the world now, where I'm getting Conjuring universe movies and Insidious movies, and then the opposite polar opposite is just the A24 releases, and there's hardly any middle ground unless it's a Jordan Peele movie or like. You know, you said malignant. Malignant is a nice change of pace. You know, there's some things in malignant I had problems with, but it is a nice change of pace. It's a cute did little you, movie. Did you watch it in the theater? I saw it at, on HBO Max. Yeah. Okay. You still have time to go <laughs> sit in a room of people who haven't seen it yet. Let him make his point. And you get to watch them go through that. It is so much fun. It is so much fun. I knew it. I knew that was the thing missing. I I liked Malignant. I, I when I realized who Gabriel was and everything, I laughed and was like, "Holy shit! It's about fucking time!" Because James Wan was doing his dialing in of like these like Conjuring Insidious movies, and for part of this movie, it felt kind of like that. And I was like, "I don't like these movies, and I don't want to see anything like that." And then he dials it up and changes it, and I'm like, "Finally, fucking finally!" And it's um he kind of helped save the horror community in a way with this movie and kind of catapulted some interesting new waters we're in right now. Um, but yeah, that's that's all I have to say about modern horror and just the Sleepaway Camp 2. It feels like we're in a different time now. And uh, 
yeah, <laughs> I'm so nervous talking to you two because you guys are all you two are awesome, and uh, I'm happy you were two were on here to talk about this bonkers fucking sequel. <laughs> I love bonkers. bonkers. I love yeah. it. But so it's just like that pop song on the radio that you can't help but like. Like it's just for fun, you know. And mm-hmm. when you, they, it just so happens that this trilogy, or I guess there's four of these movies. I haven't I think seen the fourth. There's oh, five now. I stopped after five? three. <laughs> I guess they they made like one not that long ago or something. But anyway, this this series of movies, unfortunately, plays off of a very serious topic that it's sh- it, we didn't need to do that, you know, but but beyond that, they're fun. And if you if you can if you can detach the meaning and just go with it, you can have a good time. I mean, I would say if you just want to have a good time, there's movies I would probably pick before this. Even <laughs> even trashy ones like Slumber Party Massacre has the same sort of like trashy. Uh, well, I can't with that. You too. It's a sequel podcast. You have to. I know. I've heard Slumber Party Massacre or two. I mean, that those have the same sort of like trashy uh, reputation, but without the scandal i guess of the <laughs> the subtext or the story or whatever but but yeah it was okay i think i would watch it again if it was on and i came if 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 it was on i caught it in the middle i'd definitely sit through the rest of it part three has a wonderful opening and i love the metal score that goes along with it the metal soundtrack and just has a cooler vibe i think you you I've heard so many things about um, Slumber Party 2 and 3 that I have to watch them. And of course, you two have talked nothing except out of print, expensive boutique release release horror movies from the 80s. And I can't help but feel, you know, they're probably on your shelves and you're like, oh, yeah, no big Uh, deal. It's right First off, bitch, you are a (laughs) child of the millennium. You, of all people, can find anything on the internet when you want to. Don't tell me, don't show me, don't tell your friends, but you can figure it out. I'm yeah. I want to see these things, you can find them. I'm an analog guy living in a digital age, you know. I love my physical media. It just it's expensive. That's good. Thank yeah, you. You're a dying breed. Tell your friends. <laughs> Buy your friends physical media. Just go and hop on film Twitter. You'll see a bunch of horror schlobs fucking fighting each other for $20 for a slip cover of a movie. See, we don't so. need to do that. Don't say that word to me. Oh. <laughs> Lip cover. Oh, I can't stand them. It, I, I will let Roman borrow movies from time to time. And sweet. if it has a slip cover, he will like slip oh. it off, throw it across the room and be like, why do you have this still? Oh. <laughs> well, if you two are ever in Springfield, Missouri, and you were like, hey, Chris, we're in Springfield. Can we borrow a movie? I'll make sure to release that slipcover before I hand it now, to you. Now, see, if we're borrowing a movie from you, you have to realize that it's not coming back. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Are you I sure you can part have, with we, that? I, we've exchanged movies and they've never been returned. Oh, I you're still have those. You're like me growing uh, up. <laughs> I mean, I but, would. It's not that I don't want to. But you'll notice I have never needed it. Um, Honestly, I dug out my DVD copy, my original, like, straight first time on dvd copy of sleepaway camp 2 to watch it today my dvd player wouldn't open for two hours and then when i finally got it open to put in the disc it didn't work i had to let the the 
the goatness of that statement just brushed by me for a second. I was out of breath. Oh my God. Yeah. The DVD <laughs> release of this. Oh my God. That's amazing. That, what was which I bought, I, I bought it from the book barn in Connecticut <laughs> for $2. And I'm like, this is about as much money as I want to spend on this. <laughs> I remember rolling my eyes at you when you bought it too. And I'm like, no, it's fun. You're going to have fun when you watch this. I will say <laughs> you're you, both of your film is the the first dvd i've bought in maybe in the last decade most Thank of the time you. if it's not a blu-ray i'm usually like like, like i'll wait for well we might have some good news for you soon but well Thank you. you know keep you know i was i, I kind of want to get my hands on that vinyl you know soundtrack too so one of you know one of these days well there it's coming out again Ah, uh, you see, this is why people listen to this podcast to get firsthand news like that. News, the Blu-ray, news. the Blu-ray is coming out, and so is the vinyl again, but in short, limited runs in both. But awesome. it is coming probably for the holidays. Well, if I end up getting one of the two, I'll be like Mark Patton dancing when I get it, and I'll post it on Twitter of me just like popping off with it. You know? Yes, you absolutely should <laughs> go straight to TikTok with that shit. <laughs> We can't even get into TikTok right now because that's a whole different conversation. I got banned again today. <laughs> he was talking about, uh, he, he did this on TikTok. He was like, sleepaway camp two, nothing but boobs. Nothing but boobs. It should have just be called, called electric boobaway camp. Boobaway. <laughs> electric boobaloo, boobaway camp. These are, you two, you two. You don't, you don't know breaking two, right? <laughs> No. What about Teddy Patrol? No, because the the whole thing about Break In, the breakdance movie from the eighties, they made a sequel, and the the whole thing was so ridiculous. They called it Electric Boogaloo. Well, that was the dance. Well, it sounds like you two need to be running this podcast. You know more sequels than even I know right now. I'm only discovering. No, we're just old. If you would like to hear more of our bickering, check us out wherever (laughs) you get your podcast. (laughs) Ghouls on film, on Instagram on facebook yeah on tiktok because we're banned (laughs) that's a good segue point um tyler and roman it's been a fun night of just me kind of gushing and then you two you know giving the film knowledge tonight which i really appreciate i recommend you sit on a towel that's all Uh, I was, I'm so happy I got this opportunity to have you two on here and talk about this insanely crazy movie. I I, I got different opinions and perspectives, which is awesome. That's why I watch these movies. You know, I don't want to ever feel like I am like right in sort of my opinions. I want to hear other people's opinions all the time. So thank you for, you know, sharing that with me and uh, for giving me the chance to just talk to you two, not even just about your, your works, but just like get to know you two. Um, it, It means a lot. And I hope I could possibly get you two back on again to talk about more sequel movies and hear more bonkers stories like I've heard tonight. Um, but for those who are yeah, listening- Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, you know, I need to get Roman, I need to get more like premiere stories from Roman about these <laughs> movies. I don't have a whole ton of stories of premieres, but I've got lots of shady things to say. And Tyler, <laughs> Tyler is like got a whole treasure trove of like embarrassing nerdy kid event stories. So there's like, there's a lot of things we could talk about. I feel mm-hmm. like there could be, if you give me the uh, chance. Don't yeah. forget about me, you two now. Uh- <laughs> well, you, you think up your next part too, and we'll come in with some slander, you know? 
Uh, I need more slander this podcast, honestly. I can't be the only one bringing that up, the hot takes. I, I need this kind of energy tonight. <laughs> Just remember, Chris, good girls don't have to show it off. uh but tyler roman thank you too so much for giving me this opportunity to just get to talk to you and um you know for those who are tuned in today to kind of get an update what you two are up to um where can people find you what's what's next for you two you know go ahead and spill the beans now well we're we're all over social media if you just look up scream queen scream queen doc Mm -hmm. um it's us you'll find us and then you can then link to either one of us on there and me and my goth selfies and Tyler and his dance party pictures. Like <laughs> if you like those things, you should find us. I'm Dracula Spectacula. He's Tyler Kinesis. Oh, oh no, 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 no. That's just for my friends. The people on the internet can find me at Tyler Ray Jensen. Ah, he's building a brand. Uh, Tyler Kinesis on TikTok. Sorry, you were right. <laughs> Uh, but I keep getting banned because I'm too sexy for TikTok. Accordingly, too sexy for TikTok. That should be your uh, your T-shirt. Um, <laughs> but we're 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 actually planning some scary shit coming up. Some some uh, new projects, which can't really talk fully about now. But like you know, we're not just documentary makers. We want to make you shit the bed too. So <laughs> oh, be ready. wait a minute, what? <laughs> kinky for october Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, anyway for those um who are tuning in again thank you so much for the support on this podcast i want to thank tyler and roman for being on here and give me this chance and uh so you two are going to be my first episode on october um which is in two hours right right yeah you're gonna be my first episode in october i'll put out the um the lineup for the whole month of october and episodes but um you said you know we had roman and tyler to start this month off and then we have Mark Warner, where we're going to talk about Halloween 2, the Rob Zombie film um, later this month. And then we'll also have uh, Michael Scott from the Undisputed podcast, where we will talk about Purge 3 election year. And then we'll end this the month off with Blade 2 with Daniel and Matt Bledsoe from the Film Feast, which I'm excited to talk about. So I don't know if you two are interested in any of those movies, but I encourage you to at least, you know, give it a listen, you know, just for your, your buddy, Chris, you know. See I hated all of them. All of them were <laughs> inferior. I think I, that's quite an eclectic lineup, man. Good for uh, you. Well, I appreciate it. And if you two ever want to come back on, you know, the DMs are always open, you know, drop a subtle slander towards my podcast, which is at Inside Sequel on Twitter. Um, and you can follow me at Hertastic underscore Chris as well. Um, and I will tag both of your um, handles as well at the bottom of the description on this episode. Um, Tyler, Roman, any last words for our guests before we take off? It was an honor just being nominated. I don't know. <laughs> it was good. I feel like I do have, this is the last thing I have to say. Being able to like talk and laugh and just rip on this movie for all this time with you guys, I feel a lot better. Like, I feel like I was, I went into this going like, I don't, this is a really dumb movie. And now I'm like, okay, you know what? I kind of like the fact, it was a good time. So thanks. Here's my last words. You know what they say about camping? It's intense. <laughs> You're so stupid. <laughs> And if you're not, and remember, if you aren't standing and criticizing the Sleepaway Camp 2 um, sequel, then do you really care about cinema? Anyway, 
We'll see you next time.